Let me ask you, did you go to the lovemaking experience with an iPad and a business plan? Everything scripted out. Minute one, minute two, minute three. Hey, honey, bend over 45 inches to the left. Kiss me one centimeter to the right. And in minute two, we're going to do this. Minute three, we're going to do that. And this is how it's going to go down. And we're going to make love for 15 minutes. Is that how it went down? Bro, <laughs> that, that's, not how, that's not how it happened, right? Plug into the minds of the world's cutting-edge innovators, visionaries, and thought leaders who are rewriting the rules of sales and success. It's your time to make an impact. I am your host, Jason Mark Campbell, and this is the Selling with Love podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Selling with Love podcast. I'm super excited today because we have an amazing friend that I've had a chance to meet in Thailand during the times I was at Mind Valley, and this was an Awesomeness Fest event. He was a speaker on the stage when he had just released one of his earlier books, and we're having a conversation today about his latest work about the magic of surrender. We have the one and only Coot Blackson, who's a transformational speaker, a best-selling author, multiple other books such as You Are the One also released, and he has been made famous particularly for his events such as the ones he has in bali we'll talk more about that towards the end has had a chance to speak on places not only from awesome fest but ypos eos and has been recognized as the mindfulness guru that billionaires go to for advice for all you selling with love listeners we're in for a treat to speak about what does the role of surrender play in the way that we get to be more effective in the way that we do business and i'm even going to be asking a lot of my own personal questions around surrender being someone that's very much of a control person, organized person. I have my own doubts. I have this awareness, but I'm really looking to see how this can work into my life as well. Coot, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. It's a pleasure to have you. So I want to jump right into it, which is, you know, as soon as I see things in the personal growth fields that are related to like surrender or, you know, find your purpose, seek out, you know, being yourself, there's a part of me that's this controlled person that's like surrender how is that going to help me match my sales quota how is that going to help me hit my targets how is that going to get me the things that i want i thought i needed to be very goal oriented and kind of push through i'm trying to navigate that yeah i think it's natural have you ever had sex yes you ever had an orgasm yes you ever made love yes let me ask you did you go to the lovemaking experience with an ipad and a business plan Everything scripted out. Minute one, minute two, minute three. Hey, honey, bend over 45 inches to the left. Kiss me, you know, one centimeter to the right. And in minute two, we're going to do this. Minute three, we're going to do that. And this is how it's going to go down. And we're going to make love for 15 minutes. Is that how it went down? Bro, that, that's, not how, that's not how it happened, right? What made the lovemaking so blissful? What made it so ecstatic? What made it so like, Wow, was because you let go of control. You didn't have a plan. You were effectively surrendering. You just followed the flow of the energy with your partner and you kind of transcended your own egoic self for a moment. And that's what made it blissful. It's what we're seeking. Why do we drink and get smashed out of our brain and drunk and stoned and high? And what we're seeking is a release from our own egoic sense of controlled nature. And so it's what we want. How will it impact your life? Was like, why do we crave sex? Why do we love the orgasm? Because we're seeking that sense of letting go. Now, what I will say 
is, yes, I will agree that in our culture, surrender, there are so many misconceptions about the word surrender. So let's address that. This idea that surrender is weak, this idea that surrender is passive, this idea that surrender is being a doormat, you're not going to get shit done, nothing's going to happen, you're not going to manifest your goals, dreams, and desires, you're going to be left behind. If you surrender, you're going to get less in life. And so who the hell would want to surrender? It doesn't sound very exciting. And so I'm actually saying, no, this is a misconception that if you understand the real essence of surrender, the type of surrender that you experience in lovemaking, the openness, then what is possible is what if you didn't get less in life, but you actually got more, more than you could have planned and intended and projected with the limitation of your conscious localized personalities, understanding and awareness, maybe not what you thought, maybe not what you expected, but what if it was better? What if it was beyond? I mean, hell, I don't know your entire story, bro, but you're in Bali. I'm not sure if that was in your script or your plan, but somehow here you are. And what if you had said, no, I'm not going to move. You'd be, you know, I don't know where you were, Malaysia or wherever. You'd be holding on to some idea of the life you thought you should be living and Life took you to Bali, which probably you couldn't have planned, but I'm sure it's been amazing and different and unique and incredible in its own way. And so I believe that surrender, and I'm here to invite people to the possibility of what surrender can really do, because I'm so passionate about it. Because for me, I've seen, and we all have seen the power of surrender in our lives, even though we weren't aware of it. For me, I think surrender is the real key to the next level of our lives, that surrender is the real secret to true manifestation, that surrender is the password to freedom, that surrender, if you look at the great ones, right? Jesus, Buddha, Gandhi, Mother Teresa, Bruce Lee, Muhammad Ali, Mandela, none of which were weak people. Even folks like Elon Musk and Oprah, people might say, Elon Musk? Well, the dude made $200 million. Talk about entrepreneurs, right? Business. Well, what does someone have to do with business? Here's a guy who made $200 million in PayPal. Most of us would ride off into the sunset on an island, smoke a cigar, and disappear. Here's a guy who felt a calling. I'm not saying he's spiritual, but he felt a calling a purpose that was bigger than himself invested every single dollar that he had. And just that is a version of surrender. And was it easy? No, but look at where he is now. $200 billion, the richest man in the world. And so where can surrender lead you? You might ask. Let's ask Elon Musk, Bruce Lee, Muhammad Ali. These were not weak people. So I believe that at some point, all of these individuals reached a point in their life where they surrendered. They let go. They had to let go of the limited idea of the life they thought they should be living. And they surrendered and they, they followed a deeper calling of their soul. They followed that deeper impulse that was seeking to express through them. And in that surrender, they transcended their human sort of limitations and they tapped into another dimension of life, another dimension of grace, another sort of dimension of their own potential. And that's when life was able to flow through them and move through them and express through them and create through them in ways that I'm sure Gandhi and Martin Luther King and Mother Teresa could not have. I mean, how do you plan a life? How do you plan a Mandela's life? You know, Jason, I'm going to spend 27 years in prison. Then they put that on my life book gold chart. And then I'm going to come out. I want to be present. 
that's not a life you can plan. It's bigger than you. It's bigger than me. And so what I believe and what I've seen is what life can do through you and what life can do through me when we surrender this infinite intelligence that is living you and breathing you and functioning and digesting your food. It knows what to do if we just let go and surrender. And so surrender doesn't mean sitting there and doing nothing. Surrender, just to define and set the context for the conversation, is surrender is a letting go of control, or I should say the illusion that we think we're in control in the first place. Surrender is when we stop trying to force and manipulate life to fit our limited idea, this relationship to be this way. This person has got to be the one. This has to look this way. And you know, when we force things, it's never fun. It's only stress. It's only anxiety. It's only frustration. And so surrender is a taking the limitations off of life. It's an availability. It's an openness. And I think when we take the limitations off of life, that's when we see the magic happen. So the old paradigm, to answer your question, I call it the ego-based model for living life which is all about, you got to know what you want. You got to know what you want. And then you have to like make it happen and force it to be. Look, you can create that way. You can succeed that way. But what I have found is it would always be limited. When you create from the limitation or the level of the mind and logic and the ego, you can manifest, but your manifestation will be limited because the mind, the ego is limited. It's conditioned from past experience. So whatever we create is still to a degree limited from past experience. And you might achieve what you thought you wanted to achieve, the life that you thought you wanted to achieve, only to realize that what you've achieved or what you've manifested is not what you really wanted to manifest. It was just what you thought you wanted based on who you thought you were. But if you're not in touch with who you truly are, what is real, what is authentic, then many times the goals that we intend and project can be projections of unmet needs, as an example, from childhood. So the question I invite you to ask, whether you're a mother, a daughter, a businessman, an entrepreneur, an Elon Musk, an Oprah, a salesperson, doesn't matter. The question I invite you to ask is, not what do I want, this limited sense of I. What I invite you to ask, it's a different question. It's an infinite question that opens you up to infinite possibilities. It's more like, what is it that life, is seeking to express for me? What is it that the universe is seeking to express for me? What is my soul seeking to manifest and express and create and write and podcast and design? What is the deepest impulse of my truth seeking to express? And then you kind of feel into that. You catch that vision. You attune to that. You align with the deepest truth of your own being, your authentic nature then you can bring your mind and your planning and your strategy and your logic to support the fulfillment of what is authentic and true. So it's a surrendering to your deepest truth, giving a hundred percent. You might work harder than you've ever worked. Let me tell you, Gandhi wasn't lazy. Mother Teresa wasn't lazy. Martin Luther King, they weren't lazy folks. They were working for a vision and a mission that was bigger than themselves. And it took all of their time and all of their energy. So they hustled but they were hustling in alignment with what was true. So then you give 100% without the attachment. The key to surrender is without the attachment to the outcome. And so that's the essence of surrender, to answer your question. I rest my case, Your Honor. <laughs> wow. Well, 
I can tell that you've probably been working with a lot of these billionaires and these entrepreneurs that probably came about it with a similar angle. And so I'm excited to hear that answer. And I couldn't help but find examples in my own life of times where what you were saying was absolutely true. And I've also seen the times where I've been operating in very frustrated environments where I'm keeping and pushing and I'm doing a lot of work, but I'm uninspired. It's not working. It seems like it's not even making the difference that I want to be making. And then suddenly I'll have something from completely out of nowhere. It comes into my radar. And this is an experience I'm having right now in my current career. And so one of the things I was going to ask is, is frustration a clue that you're operating around the wrong surrendering mindset or the wrong objective is this kind of the thing that gives you a pulse of hey we need to change something right now i think dissatisfaction or frustration can definitely be a signal that you are either resisting the flow you're resisting what is seeking to happen it's like imagine you need to use the toilet you need to take a shit and you resist it it's frustrating bro it doesn't work you know but that's how we live life just to make my point right that's how we live life we're like spiritually emotionally constipated you know and so there is a natural flow in life there is a natural rhythm but because of our controlling nature which we can get into i've been there we block the flow and so i think often when we feel dissatisfaction and frustration there's a level of pain and it symbolizes that we are resisting what is we are resisting what is happening we're going against the natural order of things the natural flow of nature we're trying to force something that isn't trying to make something to be something that is not and i always say trying to make something to be something that it isn't doesn't make it so you know all it leads to is anxiety and frustration and so i think it can be a sign you know and 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 often when we also get to a point of dissatisfaction i think dissatisfaction which is a kind of form of frustration can be a sign of growth it's a sign too that we have outgrown our current level we have outgrown who we are we've outgrown what we're doing but often we're afraid of the feeling of dissatisfaction and so rather than like using it as a signal we distract ourselves we get scared we drink it away smoke it away sex it away drug it away shop it away social media it away just so that we don't have to like deal with the truth or the signal or the symbol of what this frustration is telling us because we are afraid of change the ego that which we mistakenly believe and perceive ourselves to be based on past experience based on name body form history mind personality belief system which is not what we really are it's just what we identify ourselves to be the ego is afraid of change the ego doesn't want to change the ego wants everybody and everyone else to change it doesn't want to change the ego wants our parents to change our spouse to change our pet chihuahua to change the ego wants the government to change the weather to change but it doesn't want to change because change surrender for the ego feels like a death and it's terrifying because the degree to which we believe and we've all been conditioned from childhood it's been reinforced by religion education school society media to be this personality this person and the degree to which we identify as this version of ourselves this is who I am this is me this is what i believe is the degree to which we will often resist 
letting go, resist surrendering, because surrender feels like a death. Like if I question myself and I acknowledge I'm frustrated, acknowledge I'm dissatisfied, and I question and do something different, then, oh shit, who will I be? If I'm not this person and I don't believe this about myself, and if I don't keep doing what I'm doing, then who will I be? So we tend to hold on to what we were out of fear, out of safety, out of comfort, out of familiarity. So the ego is, you could say, a resistance machine. It's the ego that resists surrender. And when we understand that, it can change things. You know, the next level of our lives, there comes a point in life where the life that we've created becomes too small for what your soul is seeking to become. And I think many of us, we reach that point, we do something, we succeed even. We get reinforced, and so we keep doing it. But continuing to do it starts to feel dissatisfying, starts to feel frustrating. We're no longer growing. And so the next level of your life requires the next level of you. The next level of you requires that you let go of who you've been, what you know, requires that you let go of what is no longer a vibrational match. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a friendship. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's a way of being. Maybe it's a job. But it can be scary when that's all you know, and that's how we identify ourselves as being myself, like this CEO title, this VP title, this position, this spouse, this husband, this wife, this whatever it might be. And so what we tend to do is from the ego, we tend to hold on to that which isn't working out of safety, out of comfort, out of familiarity, not realizing that holding on simply blocks our blessing. Holding on is what keeps us stuck and continues the frustration. So part of surrender is the willingness to let go. Part of the surrender is the willingness to let go of what is no longer aligned so that we can make space and make room for the new possibilities and the new amazing things. And so I think one of the ways that we resist or ego resists that we have to be really aware of are all of the ways that we lie to ourselves. As human beings, often it's unconscious. Often we don't even know that we're lying to ourselves. But in so many ways, we've been conditioned to lie to ourselves from childhood. Maybe our environment as children, it was crazy or it was painful. And because it was painful, we learned to suppress our feelings, suppress our emotions as a way to deal. No, I'm fine. Or we learned to just suppress that pain as a way to disconnect from what was going on so that we didn't feel the pain. It was a self-protective defense mechanism. So now we close our heart. We disconnect from our feelings, our body. We go into our mind and now we don't feel anything. We've learned to lie to ourselves. And so we also learn a strategy as children to become who we think we need to be in order to get love and validation and approval. For me growing up, you know, my father had 300 churches. I was a preacher's kid. So for me growing up, I thought I needed to be the nice kid, the good boy, you know, the one who got all A's, the responsible one, you know, always have a smile, don't feel bad, take care of everyone. It's freaking exhausting you know, but we become who we think we need to be to get love and validation and approval. So we end up betraying parts of ourselves in order to fit in and to get love. And so what worked for us when we were five kind of works for us when we're 10. The challenge is when we still are doing it when we're 20 and 25 and 35, and now it starts getting in the way of our authentic expression. It starts getting in the way of our capacity for more, our capacity to be who we truly are. And so it's exhausting. The thing is, 
because we've become this version of ourselves and we hold so tightly to it, we think that the version of ourselves that we've become is who we are, but it's not. It's a conditioning that we're holding onto. That is ego. And so we have to be, so we don't even realize that we're lying. You know, we're not lying intentionally. We've just been conditioned that way to function, to survive, to get love and approval. And so I think we have to be willing to, as a first step of surrender, if like, where do I start? We have to be willing to start telling the truth to ourselves about who we are and about what we feel. We stay in relationships that we know. It's not a lie. We know. We pretend to not know, like I'm not sure, I'm confused, but we know deep down. We work jobs. We've outgrown or we hate. We say yes when we mean no and betray ourselves to get love. And wonder, why do I feel frustration? Why do I feel pain? And so I think we have to be willing to ask the question, what lies am I telling myself? And be courageous enough to just get real. What lies am I telling myself? What am I pretending to not know? And also just take the pressure off of oneself of having to take action, but just start with the truth. To me, it's the truth that will set you free. It's the truth that will transform your life. There is no transformation. You can meditate all you want. You can pray all you want. You can take as much plant medicine. You can chant. But if you don't tell the truth to yourself, nothing will change. So for me, the ego resists by denial. And so if we can just start with the truth, wow, I hate my job. It's scary. You don't have to leave, but just start with the truth. I'm not in love anymore. I'm afraid. I don't have to divorce, but let me just begin with the truth. You know, I have an alcohol problem. It may be hard for someone to admit, but just start with the truth. Because for me, truth is the real spiritual practice. And I think if we can start there, life begins shifting. Surrender begins opening up and we start to unravel things, you know? This is great, man. Yeah. This is really, really good. You know, when I come back to this idea of frustration, I think of the times that I felt different kinds of resistance, and I'd love some clarification. One is that I'm feeling like the work that I'm doing, I'm not feeling excited about it. It's not seeming to move the needle. Every activity that I'm asked to do feels like a chore, but I push through because I'm like, you know, this is the hard work that is required, especially if I'm starting my business, like I'm not getting the results I want and I need to push through. But then there's other times where I'll take on a work contract. There's a lot of work to do. And I'm working nonstop and I'm smiling about it and a lot gets done. And I feel that kind of fulfillment. I've experienced both. And what I find curious is if I look at the guys like the Elon Musks and the Gandhis, like they've had challenges. Like I've seen the stories like Elon Musk with SpaceX, for example, like his last rocket with the rest of his PayPal money was about to explode, right? Like there must be moments that he would have been like, you know, that island cocktail and cigar looks like a really good idea. But for some reason, he kept going on that path. But it seems like, is this what I'm glancing at? Is like when you're on the right path, that frustration or that failure that might come isn't just coming in as a frustration, but instead is still done with a smile on your face. Is that what we should expect? Well, yeah, yeah. No, I'm glad you're hitting on this. Like sometimes people think that surrender is like, La la unicorns and violins and just surrender. <laughs> like, because, you know, the self-help books, I think a lot of the self-help books are just trying to sell people. You know, it's like sell people on this idea. It's like, you just, you know, surrender and like everything manifests just like that. And the violins play and you just, 
poof, get what you want. I don't think that's the truth. If it ain't like that for Elon Musk, it sure as hell ain't like that for most of us. And so I think we have to be real. Like surrender, people think it's like, yeah, you just go with the flow. And what does that mean? And so entrepreneurs like you, like, the hell with surrender, just go with the flow. So we think like that means just go with the flow, like what I feel like eating four Haagen-Dazs tubs of ice cream, you know, that's surrender. That ain't surrender. That's being not disciplined and that's being lazy. You know, I'm just going to like cheat on my wife because I have this attraction to this other woman and that's just going with the flow. No, that's being a slave to your biochemistry and your ego and maybe even your dysfunction. Sometimes surrender is saying no. Sometimes surrender means digging deep and doing what you don't always feel like doing and not following and being a slave to the fleeting mood in the moment. Because like, I'll give you an example. I've written two best-selling books, one in 2016, The Magic of Surrender, a couple of years ago. I never sat down and felt the bliss and joy of writing. This romantic idea of sitting down, you know, overlooking Rome somewhere and writing, it's like never. It was just freaking hell, man. I'm like, I would rather stick a nail in my eyeball than sit down and write my book. I mean, bro, I don't like the process of writing. But you know what? The surrender is knowing what's aligned and having the commitment to a deeper possibility, being committed to a deeper intention than just the mood in the moment is what moves you through the momentary natural resistances of the ego that will come up. And so sometimes it might not feel good in the moment. Like when I exercise, I pretty much exercise every day, not for aesthetic, just because I want my body to be strong. But I guarantee you, most of the time, I don't feel like waking up. Most of the time, I'm not in the mood, left to my own devices, following the flow. I would just roll in bed and fall asleep for another couple of hours. But no, I wake myself up because I know that when I wake up and I exercise, I always feel better afterwards. When I wake up and exercise, even if I've had four hours of sleep and now I've sweat for an hour, I'm alert, I'm awake. And now based on being in the right state, I'm able to serve more people. And the commitment to serving more people there's a deeper calling to that than just how I feel in a momentary mood of the moment. And so I just want to make clear, sometimes surrender is discipline and there's a freedom in discipline. Sometimes surrender is saying no. Sometimes surrender might mean you have to say no to that smoking of that marijuana for the fourth time. Sometimes surrender might have to say no to that donut. Sometimes surrender might have to say no to, you know, having sex with that person that you kind of feel attracted to, but you know afterwards, you're probably not going to feel very good. Sometimes it requires a level of discipline and sacrifice. And to me, that's where the real freedom is. Like, what is real freedom? Real freedom, we think it's just yeah, being able to do whatever I want, whenever I want, however many times I want, with whoever I want. Is that freedom or is that just being a slave to your conditioning? The deeper I have gone, and I just speak from my own experience, the deeper I have gone, on my own spiritual journey. This might sound strange, but stick with me. The deeper I've gone, the less choice I feel I have, the freer I feel. Because some of the shit I used to, well, should I do that? Should, it is no longer an option anymore. 
And so the next level, does that make sense? The next level of your life is going to require that you give up certain things that you used to do because it's no longer in alignment with where your soul is seeking to evolve to, where your soul is seeking to go. The more in ego I used to be, the more choice I thought I had, the more limited I actually was, you know, and that's the paradox. And so as an exercise example, I made exercise to be no longer a choice, a choice to no longer be a choice. And so for me, in a micro sort of practical level, that's an example of surrender. It's like, I just surrendered to like, I'm going to exercise every freaking day. Doesn't matter, 4 a.m., 2 a.m. if I have to catch a plane, I'm going to surrender every day because I feel better. When I feel better, I can serve more people. So the commitment is to that deeper service. So now when it's a choice to no longer be a choice, there's freedom. So even if I wake up not in the mood, the mind can do whatever it wants to do. It's like, I'm still going to freaking exercise. It doesn't matter. That's the possibility of surrender. I'm still going to make that phone call, that sales call to speak to that client. It doesn't matter even if I'm feeling afraid or a little tired. I'm going to pick up the phone and make that cold call. It doesn't matter because I know that that potential client that might buy my service or product, their lives can change. And my commitment is to transform a life, not just my own self-focused fear. Mm. I love that. I resonate with that. I have to share one story, which is the funny one. So me and my girlfriend, we go running quite often. And every time we meet someone, they're like, oh, uh, what did you do this morning? We'll be like, oh, we went running. And they're like, ah, oh, yeah, I don't run because I don't like running. You know, I'm not the type of person that likes running. And we always look at each other and we're like, what, you think we like this? You think this? <laughs> so we always make that joke. I'm glad you bring this up. And I had to make a nuance with you. And I had somebody a couple of weeks ago that was talking about productivity. And it was very interesting because... I was speaking about my own attachments to like tasks and things to do and having like checks. I would say some of my habits would decay. And then he gave me something of an advice, which was interesting. He said, well, maybe the decay is there on purpose because it serves a greater need. So that was quite interesting. But we started nuancing the difference between basic productivity training and more advanced productivity training. So in my case, I'm someone that's quite organized. So I had to take on these more advanced types of methodologies. I'm listening to things around surrender. I'm curious to know from your lens, when you speak about the magic of surrendering, are there some minimum things or basic training or place in life that someone needs to be at where surrendering becomes the action to take? Or is it something we should, like anybody at any point in their life can really benefit from just surrendering and applying the concepts that you share? Yeah, look, look, I think that I want to make clear, like, it becomes much easier to surrender when you give 100% and you show up fully and you do your best. So surrender is not an abdication of responsibility. Surrender is not like, God, you do it for me. No, no. I tell people, don't ask God to clean up the shit that you haven't done. You know, stop praying, go exercise, stop meditating and go and make amends and pick up the phone and call your sister and apologize. Like, don't ask the universe to do that. And so I think we have to do our part. I give an example, like in a relationship example, we've all had this. When I've been in a relationship and I broke up, there's relationships where I broke up and I was full of regret. Shit. Because I know I didn't give everything. man. I didn't, you know, I left so much on the table. One of the last relationships I was in before I got married, I loved, I gave, I showed up 100%. When it was over, didn't work out. She wasn't ready, no problem. 
It was hard. It was painful. It was difficult. Yes, there was heartbreak, but there was a level of peace. So I think what we have to do in terms of surrender is it's much easier to surrender when you know you've given everything. You know you have exhausted and done everything. You know you have, you know, people often ask me, like, the project didn't work. I tried everything. What did you do? I made two phone calls. Two phone calls. I'm like, that's not everything, you know? You're not going to be at peace and able to surrender if you only do two things. So for me, it's like, do everything you can that is in your control. So you have to decipher, well, what is in my control? I can't control the weather. I can't control Jason. I can't control another person, but I can control myself. I can control my actions. And so when we really focus on the clarity, what is in my control and what is not in my control, and just make a sincere commitment to giving 100%, giving everything with low attachment. That's the key. Total 100% involvement, low attachment. You give everything. If it works, great. If it doesn't work, at least you have the peace of knowing there's nothing else you can do. And when you give everything you've got, it's much easier to say, I surrender, because you literally know in your body there's nothing else you can do. And so when we're not attached to the outcome, we surrender to the process. Because when we're really focused on surrendering to the process, then we're focused on the growth. We're focused on the evolution. We're focused on the learning. We're focused on the lessons. We're focused on the lessons that we are learning and our soul is learning in the process of the pursuit of our goal, not just attached to the outcome. And sometimes in terms of productivity, we get attached to the goal, achievement of the goal, which is great. But sometimes the goal is not always the goal or the goal that we thought was the goal was a kind of an evolutionary carrot that took us in a direction. And when we get so attached to the goal, we're like, it's got to be this way. And then we miss the course correction or the way that the universe is wanting us to pivot because we're attached to the outcome and the idea of how we think it should look. And we're not open to reinventing and recreating and evolution and you know, success is never a straight line. It's a constant tacking left and right and course correcting, look at an airplane in the sky, right? And so I think when we're more attached to the growth and evolution and the journey, then we will be willing to take the step, give everything to the step, be less afraid that the things won't happen. We're going to be more productive because we're more present in the moment rather than focusing on maybe the outcome will happen, maybe the outcome won't happen. Because if we're not attached to the outcome, but we're more focused on playing the process and the game now, it frees us up to then maximize the growth in the moment. And when we grow in the moment and learn the lessons that we need to learn in the process of life, in the process of living, in the process of the pursuit of our goal, we become the person that is more capable of handling the next level of our life, even if that goal doesn't turn out to be what we thought. Damn. I've taken some fun notes through this conversation, and I'm hoping for everybody else that's paying attention to this, what I've really wanted to bring forward is you, especially if you were like me, having resistance to concepts of your preconception of what it means to surrender, that this got challenged. I'm hoping you've opened yourself up to realize that there's so much amazingness that you've probably witnessed. Like for me, Coot, throughout this conversation, all that keeps flashing are parts in my life where what you've shared has happened and it's telling me, this guy's right. This surrender thing makes sense. I need to go deeper. 
bro, look at the best things in your life. If you look at the best things in your life that have happened, okay? And we haven't spoken, so this can blow up in my face. Meeting your girlfriend. You said you and girlfriend go running. Meeting her. Did you plan? Okay. Uh, 5 p.m. at this day in this month, I'm going to meet my love and we're going to fall in love. No, probably you were randomly at an event or somewhere and not even thinking and well, you bumped into her and the best things in your life, meeting your best friend, you know, Mind Valley, leaving, coming to Bali. You didn't plan that. It just kind of happened in the process. You weren't just sitting on your couch doing nothing, but it happened in the process of living life itself. And that's where, for me, the magic happens. The challenge is the ego. The ego wants to be in control of everything. Why? Because the ego's job, if we understand this, it changes things. The ego's job, twofold. Number one, to protect you from getting hurt like you were hurt, like we were hurt when we were young. Dad wasn't there. Mom wasn't there. Needs weren't met. It was painful. It felt unstable. I didn't get the love I want. That was painful. Never going to happen again. Boom. So if I can control everything, then maybe I won't have to feel that pain again. That's number one. So the job of the ego is to protect. It's well-intended. It's beautiful. It's just limited. That's all. The second job of the ego is to reinforce your existence. It's existence. The ego is not even a thing. The ego is a process of identification. And one of the ways that the ego gets reinforced is to try to be in control of everything. Because if I'm in control of everything, then I must be real and I must exist. And so if I can run everything and stay busy, 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 busy in activity, one of the ways that the ego is reinforced is through constant activity and busyness. So we are afraid to just like let go. What do you mean? What do you mean let go? If I let go, I might get hurt again. I'm not going to let go. Let go, surrender. If I surrender, maybe things won't happen. Things won't get done. And then will I even exist? So let me just stay busy. And so control is the well-intended mechanism of the ego. It's a strategy that if we can realize and observe, oh, ego is a, it's not a thing. It's a process of identification. Like pedaling, you know, on a bicycle, pedaling is a process. Ego is a process of constant activity, which is why we tend to avoid meditation and stillness because it's like, oh, ego wants to always be doing. And so I think if we can recognize what ego is and what ego isn't and know that the pattern of control isn't bad and this mechanism of control that we called ourselves is not really what I am. It's just the conditioning. It's a pattern of energy and programs that we have attached to and identified with, then we can also begin to meet ourselves in our controlling nature, not with judgment, but with compassion and with love, because it's like, it means well, it's just trying to protect us. But so when we can meet ourselves with that loving, it's like, hey, Jason, it's okay, man. I understand. I understand. Then the part of us that is seeking to control can also begin to like relax. And surrender can begin to blossom inside of us, you know. Mm. On a more fun story side is, have you seen that image of that child that's like in a pool holding on to a little like string and they're like, ah, they're afraid of drowning. And then suddenly the parent like just takes her away and realize that there's only like a couple inches of water. Like <laughs> there was actually nothing and they're freaking out for nothing. 
I feel like this is what we're looking for is the antidote to realize that that's what we've been doing. That's why we have to get out of our own way. I love what you shared as well. Everything around, you know, we have to start with truth. That's like, that's a big step. And I think it's something that we really start to face. And I just want to encourage everybody here, like go and grab a copy of the magic of surrender. Again, what I feel we've done today is just have all of us focus on Oh, yeah, I've seen glimpses of magic already. And to answer your question, Coot, yeah, I went to the gym and I saw her. And for some reason, she stood out more than everyone. And so now we're two years together and like, fantastic. So I've seen surrender happen, but I've never labeled it as that. I've never paid attention. And as you speak and you remind me of these stories, and I'm hoping everyone else here, I know you're having the similar kinds of experiences. You start realizing, well, shit. Magic's been around me all this time. Maybe I just need to start realizing that I'm actually stopping the flow of magic as opposed to thinking that magic has never been there. And so, Coot, this has been a fantastic conversation. I really, really enjoyed it. I want to, again, encourage everybody to pick up a copy of The Magic of Surrender. You've had a sliver of its possibilities, but when you go deeper, you're going to realize that you can bring so much more magic. And again, We've dispelled the myths around what surrender is and we've confirmed what actually is surrendering. So in that case, now we start realizing that it's not about being lazy. It's not about doing nothing. It's not about just letting God do the work. It's about how does that work go through us because we've actually got a chance to surrender. I also want to give an invitation for anybody who would love to come down towards Bali. I know Coot's going to be doing an amazing event called Boundless Bliss Bali, which is boundlessblissbali.com. We're going to put a link in the show notes for those of you who would love to come through a transformational experience. Coot, I'm pretty sure we're going to get a chance to cross paths when you do come out here in Bali. And for anybody else who is coming on that way, we'll definitely love to have a chance to meet you. It's been a pleasure to have you on the show. Coot, I know the last chapter in your book, or actually the before last chapter of your book, talks about the ultimate letting go of love. But I'm going to ask you the question that I ask all of my guests, which is, what does selling with love mean to you? Wow. I think selling with love, firstly, two levels, is recognizing that each person is a soul, willing to see the essence of who they are, and endeavoring to serve their soul, and endeavoring to truly be of service to another. When we're simply focused on what we can get and what we can take and what we can sell to them, then I feel that that's kind of the opposite. But when we're truly focused on how can I really be of service to this person's greater good, to this person's evolution, to this person's you know betterment, then I feel we're coming from love because we're not just fixated on ourselves and what we can get. Ooh. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Great to reconnect. I know it's been, my God, that was 2016. So seven years since we last got a chance to cross paths. Looking forward to do so again. And for everybody else, once again, grab a copy of the book. We'll have the link in the show notes as well as for the event. Go and check that out if you want to find yourself having a transformational experience. Be limitless. Find the magic. Learn to surrender. And Coot, thank you so much again. Everybody, keep selling with love. I am your host, Jason Mark Campbell, and this is the Selling with Love podcast.
Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.